Have you ever been surprised? Something taking you off guard? Yeah, I got a story to tell you. I didn't tell the first service this, so consider this your Easter gift from your pastor. I was in the back, and I'm like, I got a better introduction than what I did in the first service. So this is a true story from my life, and I want to preface the story by saying, if I heard someone else tell me the story, I would certainly make a lot of fun of them, all right? So <clears throat> my wife, Cheryl, she got a teaching job this year, and she used to run every morning, or most mornings, and when she stopped running in the mornings, uh, she had to stop running in the mornings because she started teaching, and it was just too early to get up and run. And so my wife, Cheryl, started to gain some weight. Already I'm on thin ice, bear with me. Specifically, ladies, I promise, this isn't going to go to a weird place. They're like, I can't ever go back to that church. So my wife joined Weight Watchers. And she probably wouldn't have wanted you to tell you that unless the story went like this. My wife joined Weight Watchers, and she thought she was gaining weight, and I was like, I don't notice. Um, I don't know what you mean. So one night, it was a Tuesday in January, you know, that time of the year when you're usually wondering, what am I looking forward to next? It was a snowstorm, and she was working on her report cards. And she was sitting at our dining room table, and I had gone up. It was about 9.30 in the evening, and I had gone up for the night, and I was going to watch The West Wing or something on Netflix. And I got a text from my wife. And the thing you need to know about my wife is, is she is not a drama queen at all. And usually we don't text each other in the house. Just want to let, say that as well. And so anyway, uh, maybe you do that. We try to avoid. We do the face-to-face communication thing. So anyway, she texts me. I'm in bed. And her text said this, honey, please come down right away. I just felt something weird. And I said, why? I just got comfy. I'm a very good husband. And I'm like, you felt something weird? Do you feel like someone is peering at you through the windows? Did you see a raccoon in the house? What do you mean you just felt something weird? And she goes, I'm serious, come down here now. The most dramatic she's been in her entire marriage. So I go downstairs in my pajamas. And I'm like, honey, what's wrong? Keep in mind, she's been on Weight Watchers for a month. Honey, I just felt a kick in my stomach. I looked at her and I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. She's like, you have to go out and get a pregnancy test now. I said, it's a snowstorm. I grew up in Buffalo, but frankly, I've gotten real soft over the years when it comes to the snow. I said, it's a snowstorm, and she's like, go now. So, and you can't tell my fourth child this story ever. And so... I get in the car, and I'm driving down High Street to the CVS right across from Pottstown Hospital, and I walk in, and of course, the lady who was there is totally shocked to see me because no one else was there, and I looked at her, and I said, where is the best pregnancy test money can buy? (laughs) And she's like, sir, right this way. I'm like, this is kind of weird, isn't it? And she's just like, hmm. And so I buy this, you know, $26 pregnancy test. I have an extra one if anyone needs it. And... uh, And I get the pregnancy test in my hand, and I have a thousand thoughts, and I start walking to the counter, and I pass the freezer, and I notice that they're selling Ben and Jerry's. And I'm like, well, Weight Watchers is over. And so I go to the counter. This is a true story. I go to the counter. I put the pregnancy test on the counter in the Ben and Jerry's, and I go home. I hand my wife the pregnancy test, and within, I am not exaggerating, 15 seconds, I hear these words, oh, no. 
oh no. Now my wife, this is probably the most beside herself she's ever been, and we've gone through some hard stuff as a family. And so we definitely were not expecting baby number four who was due on June 29th. We found out, and I quote, 19 weeks into the pregnancy that uh, she was pregnant, and you're like, you have a lot of questions, right, if you know how the birds and the bees works. Like I said, we'd make fun of people if this had happened to them because uh, we're compassionate like that. And so anyway, my wife and I on June 29th, uh, we're having a son, so we'll have two boys and two girls. And we, thank you. And we have five names picked out, and we're going to vote on those after church. Um, but here's what we know about this baby. He's going to change things. We had just bought a new house last year that had three bedrooms, a perfect size for a family of five. My son's bedroom is small, so we can't do that. So we're, guess what? We're turning our garage into a bedroom. So I will be living in my garage, not because I'm in trouble. I might be in trouble after I tell this story because my wife was in the first service, but we're going to Put a new, we're going to put a new bedroom in the garage, and we're going to put a new bathroom in the garage because we're going to have six people living in this house, and we've had to make a lot of changes because new life has meant changes for us. And the truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that because Jesus Christ rose, he changes us. He changes us. And so this morning, I want to look at three changes or three gifts that Jesus Christ gave to his, first, to, or to his disciples on the first Easter. Stories in John 20, verse, starting in verse 19, it says this. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you three gifts that Jesus gives at Easter to those who will believe in him. Number one is this. Jesus gives us peace. John tells us that he and the other disciples were afraid before Jesus showed up. They were fearful of the Jewish leaders who only days earlier had Jesus executed by crucifixion. The disciples were probably wondering if the same fate would happen to them. And the very first word out of Jesus' mouth to his scared group was, peace. In fact, he said, peace be with you two times to emphasize that his presence among them meant they no longer needed to be afraid. In the Bible, the word for peace paints the picture of binding or joining back together something that has been separated or fractured. Or to put it another way, peace is the idea of wholeness. What does this peace mean for us practically? The peace of Jesus impacts us in at least two ways. The first is this, Jesus provides peace with God. The scriptures tell us that because we are sinful, both by our human nature and by our autonomous will, we are separated from God. Sin creates a fracture or a chasm between humanity and God. Sin alienates you from God, and it's through our sin that we rebel against God and become his enemy. Our sin, though we rarely, if ever, think of it in these terms, is a declaration of war against our creator. We want autonomy, we want independence, and we want what Burger King says we could have, life our way. Because of this broken relationship between God and man, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. 
Yes, this is truly amazing. We are the ones who broke relationship with God by our own choosing, and his response is to die for us. Jesus died and rose to make peace with God possible because in his dying, he was paying the penalty of our sin, and the penalty of our sin is death. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2 puts it this way. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace. We have the binding back together, the wholeness with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. What did Jesus do after he said, peace be with you? He showed his disciples his hands and his side. Not only did he want to prove to his disciples that it was really him, the one who had been fastened to a cross with spikes through his hands and speared in his side through his heart by a Roman soldier. When Jesus was showing his disciples his hands and his side, he was pointing out that because of his wounds, there is peace with God. When we put our faith in Christ, We are no longer an enemy of God. Instead, he forgives all our sin and we are no longer separated from him. We now have peace. The second way Jesus' peace changes us is peace with others. When we are actually living at peace with God through faith, we can also have peace with other people. Admittedly, we can only have peace with others to the point that they are willing to have peace with us, right? We understand that. However, when we know that God loves us, when we know that God cares for us, forgives us, knows us, and wants to be in relationship with us, it creates freedom to love people, to serve people, and to live at peace with people. But this is only possible if we have peace with God. This doesn't mean we don't disagree with one another. It doesn't mean we don't confront people who are hurting us or other people. It doesn't mean we don't stand up for what's right. But it does mean that because of the reconciling work Jesus has done for us, we can choose to forgive those who have hurt us. Some of you this morning have walked into this place and you have carried with you the heavy burden of bitterness. There are some of you, you have not forgiven your ex-wife or your ex-husband. You have not forgiven your parents. You have not forgiven one of your brothers or sisters. You have not forgiven the boss who has fired you or the employee who let you down. But when you know Jesus Christ and you've experienced peace with God, you can give his forgiveness away because you experience it. It also means that we ask for forgiveness when we are in the wrong. People who have peace with God do stupid things. Amen. Thank you. And we choose to love people we might not like all that much. There's none of those people in your life. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3. He says to the church, therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. If you know Jesus this morning, that's you. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, that can be you if you put your faith in him. Therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
since as members of one body you were called to peace. For some of you this morning, what your home needs most, what your marriage needs most, what your friendships need most, what your workplace needs most is the peace of God. Again, when it comes to interpersonal relationships, it's not all up to you. But know this, Jesus is the author of peace. He is the giver of peace. And when you turn to him, you can let his peace transform your life and your relationships as far as it depends on you. Jesus alone can bring peace into your life, and he is the only one who can do it. Here's the second thing the resurrection of Jesus gives to us. Purpose. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Just like Jesus Christ was sent into the world on a mission to rescue us from sin and make peace with God possible, we are sent into the world to advance his mission. Jesus Christ gives purpose to our lives that is bigger than the accumulation of wealth, a successful career, and the dogged pursuit of the American dream. Some of you are bored with your lives, and here's the reason why. Some of you are bored and apathetic with your lives, and here's the reason why. Because you're living without purpose greater than your own happiness. Some of you still believe the next promotion, the next house, the next new car, the next child, the next boyfriend or girlfriend, that's where you think your purpose is. And all of those things, those are wonderful things. Having a new car is great. Having a new house is wonderful. Being married is great. Having kids is great. Getting a promotion at work is great but it does not bring purpose that is bigger than your own happiness. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are enlisted into the mission of God. And God desires to give purpose to your life by involving you in his purposes for the world. That doesn't mean you have to become a pastor, amen, or some spiritual superstar. It doesn't mean you have to learn how to preach or stand on a street corner. It means that in every day details of your life, God wants to work through you. I don't think a lot of people realize that our work deeply matters to God, whether our work is in a factory, in a cubicle, in a classroom, or in the home. Those are the places Jesus has sent us to work for him. God has placed a calling for all who know Christ on your life. Knowing Jesus and living for Jesus brings purpose to every sphere of your life. Paul teaches us in Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Isn't that amazing? In Christ Jesus, not only are we called beautifully created masterpieces, God has also planned good things for us to do before we're even aware of it. Do you know that the purpose God has for you is bigger than your own happiness? Do you know that the path to lasting joy in life is giving your life away to Christ and serving others for God's glory? Do you know that when God blesses you, he blesses you so you can be a blessing? Do you know that when God works in your life and changes you, he does it so that you can help others know him? Do you know that there is satisfaction, freedom, and peace that comes when life stops being about you and instead becomes being about building God's kingdom? God has a purpose for you. I believe that with all my heart.
And the only qualification for having this purpose in your life is faith. It's not talent, it's not beauty, it's not marriage, it's not goodness, it's not money, it's not a mistake-free, guilt-free past. It's only through coming to Jesus by faith that God enables us to live with authentic purpose. That purpose is for you. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, he has sent us. Here's the final gift Jesus gives at Easter. His power and his presence. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't simply say to his disciples, hey guys, I'm going to go get a snack. Good luck out there. In order for the disciples, in order for you and I to live out the purposes of God in our lives, we need God's power and we need God's presence. So Jesus not only gives the disciples peace and purpose, he gives them the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person, the living presence of God that takes up residence in the life of every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 16. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying it's actually better that he goes away. Over a period of 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, he spent time with his disciples. He continued to teach them. Over 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection. And then Jesus ascended back into heaven. And Jesus says it's better for us that he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus tells us it's better for the Holy Spirit to be in you than for me to be beside you. Why? Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper, or other translations say the advocate. This speaks to the role the Holy Spirit can have in your life. God has given us his spirit to live in us, protect us, guide us, gift us, counsel us, help us, remind us of the truth, empower us to live for Jesus Christ and for his purposes. Jesus said this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Christian life is not about living for God in your own strength. We would all be terrible at that. What we would often get confused by is talent in place of power. Sometimes we are impressed by talent. God is impressed by his power flowing through his people. Following Jesus is about living for God, empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, his spirit lives in you. That means his strength is always available. After the resurrection, the, one of the first things Jesus did is said, here is the Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit lives in you, that means his strength is always available. His wisdom is always available. His comfort is always available. His presence is always with you. And his power is always with you. And... He gives you peace. This is what Jesus gives on that first Easter night. He gave peace. Peace with God. Peace with others. Peace within. He gives us a lasting purpose. 
so that we can live lives for Christ, sharing his good news, loving people in Jesus' name wherever we find ourselves. And as Jesus sends us out into a life of purpose, he goes with us through his spirit. Jesus gave all of these gifts on that first Easter. Jesus made all of these changes in the lives of his first followers. And the great news is that these exact same gifts are available to you today. But the question needs to be asked, how do we receive these gifts into our lives? Throughout this year at Connection Church, we have been in the Gospel of John. And the reason John wrote this account of Jesus' life, the reason John wrote the Gospel of John is so that people like you might believe in Jesus. John tells us at the end of his gospel in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this gospel, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by what? Believing in Jesus, you may have life in his name. And near the beginning of the gospel, John tells us this in John 3, 16 through 18. This may be familiar to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Believing in Jesus always lives, or always leads to the life we want. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But there's some bad news. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Why should you believe in Jesus this morning? Because it's Easter? No. There are good reasons to believe in Jesus. The first reason is, is he died for you. His death was on your behalf. His death was in your place. Jesus Christ was nailed to a Roman cross 2,000 years ago because of your sin and because of my sin. His death means your sins are paid for and forgiveness is available. But not only did he die for you, he rose from the dead. You may not want to be a Christian or you may not be sure what you think, or you may be so excited to be done with this church service, but don't lie to yourself. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you cannot be intellectually honest and ignore him. If he rose, there's a decision to be made. Either you reject him and say, I don't want him. Or, which is far better, you embrace him. You believe in him. We don't believe in a dead God. Buddha is dead. Mohammed is dead. Moses is dead. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And if he rose, 
you have to listen. You have to believe who he said he was. God, Savior, Lord, King. And the third reason you should believe in Jesus is because straight up, God loves you. He wants you to know that he loves you today. And the proof of his love isn't sentimental or emotional or because I'm saying it. The proof of his love is that he sent his son to die. Romans 5, 8 says that, but God demonstrated his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. Receive Christ today. Receive his peace. Receive his purposes. And receive his power and presence through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to ask those of you today who don't know Christ, or maybe you have just turned your back on Christ and it's been years. I'm going to ask you today to make a decision to put your faith, to put your belief in Jesus. Three Easter's ago, it was April 16th, 2016. I made a new best friend, one of my best friends in the whole world, walked into Spring Valley Community Church. That's what our church used to be called. We were meeting over at the seventh grade center in Springford in a guy walked in and I noticed him right away because he was almost, almost as tall as me. His name was John Myers and I walked over to John and I shook his hand and I said, finally, my people are here. John walked into that gathering on that Easter Sunday morning and he was not a Christian. John was supposed to be here today. His flight from Florida got canceled, but I was thinking about John and what I was thinking about John is, is that Jesus Christ changed his life on April 16th, 2016. John gave his life to Jesus and he's been a part of our church ever since. And I'm close to John and I've seen Jesus changing him and working in his life. And, and now John is at the point where he, he's helping me to grow in Christ. I need a lot of help. We all do. And I just only tell that story about my good friend, because, because I want you to know that today could be your day. Today can be your day. Your sin isn't too big. Your life isn't too broken. You haven't been made a big enough mess yet. God is for you. And there is new life, and there are new beginnings with Christ alone. And I want to invite you this morning, if you know, if you know that this is your day, that it's time to believe in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of belief. It's not magical, but you pray something like this in your own heart as you give your life to Jesus. Jesus, you see my life. You know the truth. You know that I need to be forgiven. You know that I need to be made new. You know that I don't have peace with God. And that's what I need today. I need to be I need to be new. I need you to erase my shame and my guilt. 
I need you to help me to make life about your purposes and not mine. Jesus, I come to you today. I believe you died for me and I believe you rose for me. And I believe that you are my savior and my Lord. And today I give you my life. I make you the leader. I want to follow you. In your name I pray, amen, amen.